Excellent. Well, good morning, church. How are you doing today? It's good to, to be here with you with our 11 a.m. service. And um, many of you know me, but if not, my name is Gino. I'm one of the staff pastors here at Joy Church. And uh, the, the woman, beautiful woman you heard from up here, that's my wife, Allie. So, yes, I'm lucky. Uh, our senior pastors, as she mentioned, are out of town. They're going to be uh, getting rest, and so we're happy to let them be on vacation. And uh, I know that they're going to be, I think, if they can't catch in now, I think they're going to be watching this later. So wave your hands in the air. The camera might see you and say, hey, Pastor Stephen Kim. There we go. So uh, they will be back with us, and, uh, but today I get the honor to speak with you. And we're, we've been a part of, and you might remember this, a series, it's uh, entitled Made for This. And um, week one, we talked about knowing God. You know, that's the, the first step in our journey of faith is that we need to come and we need to get to know God. It's an amazing part. Then you begin to find freedom. And every single one of us, whether we care to admit it or not, we need, we need or have needed freedom from something. We've needed God to come in there and, and, and break off change, set us out of bad habits and patterns. And we find that in Christ and we find that in his church and relationships. So we, we talked about that. And then um, just I think it was last week or two weeks ago, we spoke about discovering purpose. And something I really believe and that we talked about is that God designed each of us uniquely and he designed each of us for a unique purpose. And then I get the pleasure today to, to finish up our series uh, with our final message, which is that we need to, as we've discovered our purpose, the next step is to make a difference. We are called to make a difference. We were made for this, to make a difference in this world, in the lives of the people around us, family, friends, and what Jesus called loving your neighbor, those other people around us. They may be the barista, they may be the coworker. And we're called to make a difference in their lives and in this world. And so if you're taking notes and, you know, I can just tell you're, you're just all on the edge of your seat. You're, you must be taking notes, right? I don't always take notes, just true confessions. But you should. I mean, you got to remember somehow. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is Made for This, It's Time to Start. And if you're not taking physical notes, put that in your brain. It's actually not made for this time to start. It's Make a Difference. It's time to start. Erase that first one from your brain. Just make a difference. You guys can laugh. Come on, we can laugh in church. Make a difference. It's time to start. Or for your verse that around, it's time to start making a difference. But there's a problem. There's an obstacle in the, the way of us making a difference. And it's a lie that many of us in this room believe. There is a lie. There is a belief that I believe comes right from the pit of hell, that comes from the enemy that is stopping us from making a difference. There is a lie that I have believed at times and that I bet you, some of you in this room believe right now that is stopping you from making a difference. It's the same lie that has stopped many people from stepping outside their door and telling their, their coworker, their neighbor about the love of Jesus. It's the same lie that has kept hundreds of thousands and even millions of women and children in slavery to this day. It is the same lie that keeps injustices going and the good works of God unbegun. This lie is simple. It's only five words. But it's deadly and it's dangerous. And today we're going to undermine and throw away that lie of the enemy. I'm going to share that lie with you so that you can be aware of it. Are you ready? Here it is. 
Here's the lie we say over ourselves. I can't make a difference. Sometimes the best way the enemy tries to mess you up is he'll speak in your own voice. You ever had a thought and you're like, you said something in your mind, but you're like, I don't actually believe that. I don't think that. Maybe just me. Sometimes that, that, that voice of negativity or even the enemy himself, he'll, he'll speak in, in our minds and we'll start to believe a lie like this where we say over ourselves, I can't make a difference. And your reason why you believe it, why you, you entertain that belief is, is maybe different than mine. But for all of us, we have some some reason, some reason why we're not qualified, why we're not good enough, why we're not up to the challenge. And yet, as Christians, as we allow the Spirit of God to actually fill our lives and begins to overflow from our lives, that statement becomes a lie and a new statement appears that we can begin to say over ourselves, and we can say it right now, it's this, I can make a difference. Get that I can't off there. If we have, I can. There we go. I can make a difference. Demons out. I can make a difference. We begin to speak it over ourselves. We begin to believe it over ourselves. We begin to change our I can't to I can. And our I won't to I will. The idea of changing I can't to I can is a belief about yourself and what God can through do you. But the decision to change your I won't to I will is a decision to act. It's a decision to step out of just believing something and to begin doing something. And I believe God is calling every single one of us in here to begin doing something to make this world better, to, to build the kingdom of God and to serve those around us. The belief that I can make a difference and the decision that I will begin, it's the start of something wonderful. That's my prayer today, is that when we leave this place and we go and eat at a buffet or whatever we're doing, that something is different in our hearts. Something is different in our resolve, that you throw away all of the junk that the enemy has told you why you can't make a difference, and you walk out of here with your chest held high, ready to start making a difference. When that happens, something wonderful begins. And I want to focus in our, 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 our focus, focus in our focus a little bit. One of the most significant ways you can make a difference, because there are so many, and we, we're going to talk about that, the creativity of it all. But a big place to start, one of the very best places to start, I believe, is to make a difference in the lives of other people. When you choose to serve people, you don't just bless them, but you bless God their Father. You see, God describes himself as a father of all of us, a father of people. And so if you ever want to bless the heart of God, you want to please God, love his kids. And especially love his, and I'm, I'm, I'm teasing here a little bit so no one get offended, love his short, chubby, redheaded, kind of awkward, kind of smelly kid. Okay, and here's what I mean. Parents, if you have that short, awkward, redheaded, kind of chubby, smelly kid that no one else likes, if someone befriends that kid, you love them. Your parents are not going to admit this. But I know it's true, right? I'm trying to paint a word picture here. If you had a child that wasn't doing so good, forget their size and their weight. That's, I'm not trying to mean whatsoever. But you have a child that maybe, maybe they're addicted to drugs. Maybe they're just getting out of prison and everybody's afraid to hang out with them. 
If you're a parent and you find that somebody walks up and lets them into their lives, invites them to their home group, that's your favorite person. God has the same opinion. God loves when you love the most unlovable. God loves when you desire to help the most undesirable. God loves it when you go and you get past your excuses and you get past the conveniences and you go out of your way to reach those people whose society has pushed to the fringes. I want to read to you out of Matthew chapter 25, verse 37 through 40. And um, this story right here, it really just depicts it. Um, for our Bible students, or if you're just kind of becoming a student of the Bible, you're figuring it out. Jesus is speaking, and he's talking about a time um, when there's going to be a final judgment. And there'll be those who God says, well done. And there'll be those who God says, not so much. And here he's talking about um, God speaking to some people who really did it right at the end of their life. And he says this, then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever serve you? Uh, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king, and that is God, will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. God so identifies with the brokenness of humanity that he says, when you love them, you're loving me. Put it on my tab. That's good, guys. It's some kind of an amen. amen. God says, when you reach out to those people, it's like you were loving me. And here's the scary part that I have to think about and be reminded of. When you ignore those people, when you neglect those people, when you walk by those people, you're walking past me. You're ignoring me. You're neglecting me. And it's just so important for you to remember and kind of get your priorities back and straight, right? Get, get your list of who you're going to invite to the party readjusted to align with the priorities of God, the people you're going to bring into your life. But this is not just a conversation about giving to the poor. Some of you guys are like, I am the poor. Who wants to give to me? Right? We, and I'm not teasing, right? And I, I'm teasing, but I'm not. Like, we know that's church. Church is a place for the poor. Church is a place for the broken. But we're not just talking about the physically or the economically poor, the economically broken or the physically broken. Every single one of us and every single person in this room in some way are broken. Some people put on a really good shell. Some people have, and you can tell that they have all the food they could ever want. That, come on, you guys, you're not, you're not snapping with me, people. We got they have all the food they could ever want. But internally, they're hungry for relationship. They got a big house. They got fives, they got six, they got ten bedrooms, but their kids don't love them. Their kids are frustrated, broken, they're divorced. And they seem like they have everything, and yet on the inside, they're just, they are also that person that Jesus says, when you love that guy, when you love your boss, who you are mad at and you're jealous at, when you reach out and say, I can see you're not a pleasant man, but you are a very lonely man. I'm going to invite you to my less expensive house for Thanksgiving. God rejoices. Are you tracking that? We need to identify every person and begin to be aware. They have a need. How can I fill it? That right there is just, that's honestly just going to help you not be a jerk. <laughs> right? And, and like you can get to heaven and be a not nice person, but it's just not, it's not nice, it's not cool. When you start to really look and go, oh, I'm not the only one with problems. 
How can I help you with yours? It's such a different posture, such a more attractive way. I'd ra way rather be about someone that's willing to help others than just kind of thinks that like they're the only one with problems, right? So that, not, not to be a Debbie Downer there, but we begin to reach out and God rejoices at it. It's one of the best ways to worship. I want to read to you another scripture. It's Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. And it says this, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. I want to tell you this. One of the big things that stops us sometimes from making a difference is that we see that the problems are so big and we're just us. And we think that we just shouldn't even start if we can't really get something done and really can't make a difference. It feels so insignificant. But I want to tell you, the scripture shows it. God does not despise small beginnings. God does not despise small beginnings. God does not despise your small business that you're starting out and you're, you're, you're working out of your, your um, bedroom on your, on your iPad and you got one client and you're saying, you know, this is the world headquarters of my company. God doesn't despise that. God doesn't laugh at that. You go and, and you gather a little bit extra food and you walk out to feed one poor person. God does not despise that and neither should you. God does not despise the day of small beginnings and neither should you. You don't let that discourage you. See, everything that is big was once small. You gotta start somewhere. And I'll tell you this, the foster child that you love or the lost soul you speak to doesn't mind that they're the only ones. To them, you made a difference. They're not gonna ask you, how many people have you fed today? I'm not even gonna take this food. If they're hungry, they're going to receive it. That lonely person doesn't say how many other friends you have because I don't, you know, I don't want that. No, they're just going to be happy that you invited them, right? If you do it for the one. Andy Stanley has a quote that I really appreciate. He says this, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Isn't that good? It's Andy Stanley. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You may say, I, I've always wanted to help in this way. I've always wanted to make a difference. Start where you are. Look at those places and do for that one which you wish you could do for everyone. If you have big dreams, that's amazing. If you're thinking small, but you're actually doing something even better, right? Action is better than just dreams, but dreams are amazing. But here's the thing. If you can reach one, you can reach 10, or you can reach 10,000, that's all great. But don't wait until the 10,000 to reach the one. Start now. Make a difference. It's time to start. Amen? I want to read to you um, a story here from uh, a guy named Blake. And um, Blake is his real name. And he was on a trip in Argentina and is traveling. And Blake saw a, a problem that um, was facing people in Argentina, but it was also facing people all around the world. And it was that many people, I think particularly children, but I think all ages, um, didn't have proper shoes. He was traveling through in South America and Argentina, and he sees that these people, they don't have shoes. The problem is when you don't have shoes and you're, you're living in a slum or you're living in unsanitary places, you're likely to cut your feet. You're likely to then contract diseases. It's, it's not a healthy or a safe way to operate. There's so many things we can avoid just with a good proper pair of shoes. Ladies, you have entire closets full. Hey, I'm not shaming you. I got, a, I, got, I got quite a few pair. But Blake, rock your shoes, please. Rock your shoes. That's awesome. 
But Blake, he decided he wanted to try to help. He saw a big problem. He's just one guy. But he, he decided he would take um, a small but bold step. And here's the thing. Starting is hard. Starting is scary, right? You can be afraid people are going to laugh at you. You can be afraid that you're going to look silly. But there's so much need in the world. We've got to push through that. And so Blake did. He got bold and he came up with a plan. There was a type of shoe in um, Argentina. I think it's called like an Al... I think it's Alpargata or however you say it. Um, but it's this kind of traditional Argentine shoe. And he said, okay, I'm going to adjust this shoe um, so that it more fit the American and Western kind of demographic. And he had 250 pairs made up. So he, he took some initiative. He had 250 pairs made up. His idea was simple and humble. Take these, put them in a duffel bag, bring them back to the States. He would sell these shoes. And, and some of you know this story and some of you don't. For every pair of shoes that he sold... Blake would give a pair of shoes away to a child in need. So he went back, came back to the States. Blake was able to sell all 250 pairs of shoes. Blake founded a company that some of you guys have heard of. It's a very successful um, fashion company. It's called Tom's Shoes. Tom's Shoes now is spreading out into different clothing lines. They're actually spreading out into different ways of making an impact. And it started with 250 pairs of shoes, where I believe they then went back, I think, to Argentina. I have to check that. And they were able to give their first, they call them shoe drops. They were able to give away 250 pairs or more of shoes to children in need. He started small. He took a risk. He wasn't as far as, and I don't think he was really a fashion guy. He didn't, he couldn't guarantee it was going to work. You never can guarantee it's going to work. Even people tell you you can, right? There's always risk. But that risk and that 250 pairs of shoes has now turned into, Tom's Shoes has given away to this date, 86 million pairs of shoes. Come on, let's praise God for that. 250 and one man seeing a big problem and saying, I'm going to make a small but meaningful start has turned into 86 million pairs and counting of shoes being given away to people in need. To me, that is amazing and it's inspiring. And I believe that God wants even people in this very room to be the next Blake. You may or you may never reach the number of 86 million, but every child that gets a literal or figurative pair of shoes, every broken soul that gets what, what you can give them and that blesses their heart, to them, you made all the difference. To them, it was a significant, and they don't care if it's 86 million or one, you changed a life. And to God, with his father heart, it made a difference. I think loving people is our greatest chance of doing something that will actually matter in eternity. Yes. I don't want you to miss out on it. I want this to be every single one of your experience. I want you to someday be in heaven and I want you to run into somebody and then be able to walk up to you and say, because you did fill in the blank thing, because you invited me to your group, because you gave me what you had, because you told me your story of brokenness and you gave me hope, my eternity is different. My entire world was changed because you didn't despise the day of small beginnings, because you didn't believe the lie that I can't, but you decided by, that by the grace of God, by the strength of God, I can and I will. And they're going to give you a big hug if we can still hug in heaven. I think we can, hopefully. And they're going to say thank you. To me, that's worth living for. To me, that's worth sacrificing for. And if necessary, and many of our, our brothers and sisters in Christ have done it, it is worth dying for. 
But I'm not asking you to die. Not today. I'm just asking you to take the next step in what God is calling you to do. And so today is very much about you changing how you think about yourself and me changing how I think about myself. And so we're going to say this declaration of faith. It's very small, it's very simple, but it's very powerful over ourselves a few times. So we get it in. Okay, you ready? I'm going to say part of it. And then you're going to say that you're going to repeat after me. Here it is. I will start where I am. With what I know. And watch it grow. I will start where I am. We'll speed it up a little bit. With what I know. And watch it grow. With more gusto. I will start where I am. With what I know. And watch it grow. Amen. Give yourselves a hand. That's all Blake did. He found himself in Argentina. He saw a problem. He took what he did know, some, some business and things like that. He came up with a solution. And then he got the great joy and pleasure. And it was hard work. But he got the great joy and pleasure of watching that difference begin to spread and spread and spread. And it's still spreading to this day. And that is what God wants for you. You don't believe it yet, some of you. You're hearing this and we tell ourselves, ah, someone else, someone else will do it, someone else. Maybe that someone else is you. I'm going to get a little bit mad and a little bit angry with you. Stop telling yourself, stop being the person getting in the way of your own success. Stop being the one person screaming louder than anybody else, including the devil, saying, I can't. And start talking, stop, stop talking about yourself at all. Start talking about the glory and the power of God and saying, God, if you're willing, I'm willing. And you are able, and so therefore I am able. And guys, I can, it's, it's easy here and now, and it's easy for me to like yell at you, but I know how hard it is in the real world. So I'm not mad at you, actually. I just want to empower you so that you get a fight in you, so that the next time the devil tries to say you can't, you reply, no, the power of God, the truth of God's word says, I can. I'm going to break it down for you, this saying, and I hope, I hope it sticks with you. Starting where I am. Starting where I am means not using my location, my income, my education, or anything else as an excuse not to make a difference. I am who I am. I'm as smart and I'm as uneducated as I am. I'm as big and brave and I'm as small and diminutive and scared as I am. But I'm going to start right here as an act of faithfulness to God. The second part is with what I know. With what I know means using what I do have the best I can. If you have a heart beating in your chest, you're alive and you have something to offer. I don't know if this is um, apocryphal, like it's a made-up story or not, but they say there's a story of, I believe it was French, French woman with basically like a, a kitchen pan standing in front of the German tanks. She's not going to stop the entire German Reich with a frying pan. Unless she herself was German, and they're just going to turn right around. Just teasing. Germans are tough. But you know what? She did what she could with what she had, and it speaks volumes. When you come, even in your brokenness, even in your lack, and you say, God, with what I do have, and with the story I've come from, I will be faithful, that makes a difference. Just showing up is a vote of confidence. 
Just showing up as an act of defiance against the world that wants you to sit down and go away. Just showing up to this very place and being a part of this faith community is a contribution. Every single one of you, and and I'm kind of like minimizing it because some of you think you have so few, but we have an embarrassing wealth of potential in this room. As Americans, we frankly have an embarrassing wealth in general. Even the poorest of us are not, by, by, by developing world centers, poor. But this is not a message about, like, I like nice things. That's not what I'm talking about. But we have so much potential. We got to get over ourselves, acting like we don't have something to give. We have so much to give. And as you do it, joy will fill your heart. This is, I, I don't do very much, I don't ever do anything to hurt myself intentionally for no reason, right? It's like running, running hard and exercising it can hurt, but I do it because I want the results, right? But generally speaking, I like if things can pay me and can be, can be pleasant. And I will tell you, serving and loving other people, making a difference, it will pay you way more than you ever pay out. In, in, in a life of fulfillment and meaning. Amen? In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says this. And I'm going to take a drink of water, and I don't really need to drink water, but I, I kind of feel like we need to just pause for a moment, because I'm like kind of pushing you. And ultimately, this message is really about you making a decision to get out there and be brave. So I'm going to, I'm going to take a, I'm, I, I'm so weird, but I'm just going to take a drink of water, not in the mic, and you just pause for a minute, and you begin to settle your heart, saying, God, help me do this, help me do this. If you're afraid right now, you know the thing you need to step out to, just say it in your heart. Does that sound okay? Okay, 15-second break. You were all just looking at me. You weren't doing what I said, were you? Okay, I'll talk. I'll guide you through this experience. Think about it. Think about that thing. Think about that thing that you know. I can do that. I can invite someone over to my house and, and cook them some food. Allie and I, we don't have a lot of money, um, but we're, we're blessed. But we say, you know, we can afford coffee. Big bulk star, uh, star, like star coffee from Costco, a Starbucks brand, and popcorn. We can, afford, we can afford popcorn and coffee. And we can, be, we can keep our, our value of being hospitable and generous. We can have a lot of popcorn and unlimited uh, coffee. And so we said, that's, that's what we've got. That's what we can do. And we've then been able to use it. We've changed a lot of lives with nothing but Jesus, our small apartment, and popcorn and coffee. What is that thing you say? I could do that. Right? What is that interest that you could say? I could, I could invite someone to come along with me as I fill in the blank whatever you do, Right? So there's someone that would want to be with you. People are so starving for relationship. And so that's, that's that heart right now. Start asking, start thinking, even as I'm speaking, God, what, what could I jump into? Did I read Luke chapter 16 yet? No, here it is. Luke chapter, chapter 16, verse 10 says this. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. God's all about just be faithful where you're at. He'll, he'll, he'll honor it. Okay, uh, we're going to jump into the dream zone. I want to start starting up your imagination of ways that you could be used by God. You could begin to make a difference. First off, um, here just at Joy, there's a lot of opportunities. We uh, have stuff for every single age. So if you find that God's put on your heart a, a love or compassion for a certain age, there are opportunities right here. Then there's this gathering every Sunday. You may say, you know, I work a full week, but you're here, you're here right now. Would you consider um, using your skills, using your unique personality to help make a difference here on our Sunday gatherings? 
I want us to give a hand in just a moment for our, our dream teamers, and those are our joy volunteers. Um, they go through what's called our growth track. It's a four-week class, and they begin to serve. And did you know, just last week, and this is about, an, about average, we had 78 dream teamers serving just on Sunday to make this happen. Let's give them a hand. There's, there's space for you. There's space for your, your unique gifts. We, we need you. We want you to be a part of the process. And when you are, you get to, to say, you know what? I have a share. I, have a, I was a part of all the good things that happened that Sunday. When you help in one piece of Sunday, you get to share in the reward and, 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 and really take ownership over the entire victory of the Sunday. Amen? When people come to know Jesus, when marriages are restored, when people are healed, if you poured the coffee or you greeted them or you spoke the message or you did the worship, you were a part of it. You made an eternal impact. So do what you can. Start where you are and watch it grow. The second area is groups. Uh, We have uh, our small groups here. And some of you guys know we have a saying. It is group is life. Say it again. Group is life. We really believe that the life of God happens and flourishes at small groups. Small groups are a place for people to be real, for them to take off their mask, and for them to say, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I need. Here's my challenges. It's a place for you to do the same. And then together, you get to help one another. And there are so many opportunities for you to use God's unique gifts in groups If you have an idea for a group, please talk to Pastor Johnny or Julia. We are open to just about any type of group. If it could draw people into a group and you could use it to to encourage people while you're having fun, we're going to help you get qualified and we're probably going to say yes to that group. I just want to throw out some ideas of things people are already doing or you could do. People are doing Bible studies. They're doing prayer groups. They're doing fitness groups. They're doing groups about finances, marriage, business, sewing, farming, horseback riding, a science fiction book club. There's, you could do a serving group. Go serve at the gospel mission. You could do a group where you say, you know, I, I don't want to talk to like anybody, but I, I'm good with my hands. I'm, I'm good with repair or design or something like that. You could do a, a group where you come together and you do a building or repair projects at the church or at a local school or some other place. You could do a group that plays video games or board games together. You could do a group that babysits people's children so that married couples can go have a date and grow their marriage. Married couples? I don't have any kids yet, but you know when I do, I'm prepping the way. Seriously, you may think like I'm a, I'm a daycare worker. I'm a, I'm a babysitter and that's, I, I get value out of it. I enjoy it. But what does that have to do with like saving people's souls? It has a lot to do with it. Because there's many times people, they don't come to a group or they don't take that opportunity or they don't have that conversation they need to have because they can't afford uh, babysitting. And, you know, eventually we want to help them and maybe they can reprioritize their budget and they can pay for it themselves. But when they're first unsure about everything, you might be the thing that helps them get over that gap. I just picked that as an example, but you would be surprised. And guess what? I want to be surprised. One of you in this room may have the next creative way that we're going to be able to use to preach the gospel. And I got that from another pastor. They talked about They said, we don't, we don't believe people are done innovating on church. Not the core of doctrine in Jesus Christ as the Lord, but finding unique and creative ways to integrate with culture and take our talents and use them to reach out into this big world that has a lot of need. 
And so I hope right now that you start thinking and you walk away, I hope you start thinking and going, oh, if you've been here, let me, it's a real simple equation. What are you passionate about? What are you interested about? Could you gather people? If so, start a group. Amen? You can make a difference. Let's say our, our confession over ourselves again, right? We're going to repeat after me. I will start where I am, I will start where I am. With, what I know with what I know and watch it grow. I will start where I am. You guys were good earlier. You kind of dropped down. Gusto here. Come on. This is the last time for a little while. I will start where I am. With what I know. And watch it grow. That was good. I felt a little bit like Dr. Seuss there. Oh, start where I am with what I know and watch it grow. As we're nearing the end of our discussion, some of you are still not convinced. You've believed this way your entire lives. People told you that you were no good. People told you you couldn't make a difference. But I want to tell you, the Bible and history are full of men and women who made a difference and accomplished more than anyone expected they could, and yet who came from every kind of challenging and broken and embarrassing background you can imagine. I'm going to share a few of them with you. Is that okay? One is Abraham. We call him the father of our faith. The only thing is Abraham was too old. God had promised him an entire nation would come out of his lineage and, his and his, they'd be his ancestors, and he was too old to have kids. And yet God did it anyways. Moses, who wrote much of the Old Testament and freed the people of Israel, if you've ever seen King of Egypt, right? Freed the people of Israel from Egyptian oppression and began to bring them towards the promised land. Moses was afraid of public speaking. It almost caused Moses to not go and do the things that God had called him to do. But God worked with him. He overcame it. And Moses made a difference. Gideon was a mighty judge and warrior in the time of Israel. He ended up freeing the people from, once again, oppression. I believe Moabite oppression. But Gideon dealt with fear. Maybe today you're saying, I'm just so overwhelmed with fear. I'm so overwhelmed with anxiety. God wants to overcome that. Come on, church. You got to amen. We're almost done. God wants to break through to people's lives some fear. God wants to pull you out of that hiding place and get you in there where you actually become a leader. You think you can't. You think you never could. Just watch what God will do if you will start, if you'll be faithful. Queen Esther became a savior for the Jewish people once again in a time when there was a planned genocide to wipe out the entire Jewish race. The only problem is Esther was a woman in a time of history when women had very few rights. Yet she did it anyway. She made a difference anyways. Ruth, the Moabitess, moved to Israel. It's a different country. They didn't look too good on the Moabites. Ruth was a minority. Some of you in this place are, are, are a traditional minority or you just feel like that. You feel out of place. You feel like no one understands you. No one understands your culture. No one understands your background. Ruth became a part of the line of Jesus Christ himself. She became, I believe, was the great-grandmother of King David. Ruth made a difference despite that fact, and you can too. Joseph, come on, are you catching the point here? We're wrapping up. But, it, but you still, you, you got to clap. That's the, that's the rule. That's the deal. Or we're not wrapping up. Because there's a lot of Bible stories, so we'll just, this has become... Sunday, Sunday evening Bible school with me and Allie as all of you guys sneak out.
Joseph, Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt. Joseph saved not only his own family, but many, many other people entirely, including the nation of Egypt, from dying in famine. The only problem is before that moment, Joseph was a slave and Joseph was a prisoner. Our society says many times it has a big stigma against people coming out of prison. God can still use you. God wants to still use you. God wants to use your family members. Don't get in the way of it. Say yes to God and watch what he can do. Make a difference. It's time to start. Amen? Daniel was a captive. He was a captive in Babylon, yet he rose to one of the highest positions in the land. He operated in the prophetic. He spoke to kings. There was the widow with the two mites who Jesus specifically pointed out for her generosity, and we still learn about her to this very day. The only problem is that widow was poor. There were the disciples who they say turned the world upside down, who wrote the New Testament, who give us our account of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The only problem is these disciples were uneducated fishermen. These disciples were average Joes. And maybe you're like, I don't, I'm not, I haven't done this thing or that thing, but I'm just, just average. I'm just me. I'm just middle class. I'm just whatever that would be. That's not an excuse. It, it, it is but don't let your excuses, hear me here, church, exclude you from the plan and purpose of God. The problem with excuses is that they excuse us. That doesn't mean they're not valid. It doesn't mean they're not true. It's just that they excuse us. And they can excuse us right out of the plan and purposes of God. Do not let your excuses that rise, as valid as they may be, be the thing that excludes you from the plan and purpose of God, excludes you from making a difference. Those uneducated men spoke with eloquence and power the word of God. God was able to use them and God's able to use you. And finally, Rahab, who was able to help the people of Israel and, and actually protected some spies from being captured and became part of the line of Jesus herself. Rahab in her former life was a prostitute. And you said, maybe that wasn't me exactly. But you know what you did. I know what I did. We know the places of shame. And yet in the world, we just want to hush things up. We always want to cover everything up. We, we, want to, we want to hush those parts of our life. But God says, come here. A worship band's getting ready. They're coming up. God is inviting the Rahabs in this room, which I think all of us can identify with in some way or another. And he's saying your sin and your past does not have to define your future. Amen, church? Your sin and your past and your excuses and your brokenness does not have to define your future. All these people, they chose not to believe the lie and to not let their excuses exclude them from the plans and purposes of God. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. It's time to start. And as we are wrapping up, I want to I speak to uh, those in the room who say, I came here and I'm I, just kind of a seeker, just kind of looking. I'm, I, maybe I know God in the past, but not really following him. Or maybe I just, I've never really known about Jesus in the Bible when I'm new to this thing. The first step for you to make a difference is to know God. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and then you can really get into this fun journey of making a difference. But the first step is you gotta get right with God. 
You got to meet the one who designed you and created you if you ever want to do the things that he designed you and created you to do. And so it's real simple. It's just the start of the journey. I'm going to everyone bow their heads right now and close their eyes so it make it a little easier for you. And I would just ask, if that's you, raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you. And, you're just gonna, and then you just raise your hand right where you're at and we're all going to pray. And we're going to pray a prayer of asking God to accept you into his family and bring you on a journey of knowing him. Okay, I see that one hand. See a hand back there. Any other hands? We're going to pray that. Any, any more hands? I see another hand right there. Any other hands? God is so excited to use you. He's so excited. I see that hand. Maybe you know, maybe you've served Jesus in the past, but you're not really serving him now and you want to recommit your life. You say, I haven't been right with God. And I've said the prayer before, but today I need to start again. We're seeing hands. I've seen, see that hand in the far back corner. See another hand. You're saying, I want to recommit my life to God. I want to recommit my purposes to his plan. Seen three or four hands. I see those hands. Anybody else see the other hand? Okay, church, let's pray this together. And we're going to tie the two prayers together. First, we're going to pray for those who it's just kind of your first time coming to know Jesus. Repeat after me. Jesus, I want to know you. I want to be a part of your purpose. I want to be a part of your plan. Will you forgive me of my past? And will you be a part of my future? I'm putting my trust in you. You're the boss from now on. And you're my hope to be made right. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give a clap for all those people that made that decision. And really quickly now, for the rest of the room, if you want to stand with me, um, just stand, stand up with me, please. And if you can lift your, if this is you, and I hope this is a lot of the room, we're just going to lift our hands and ask God, help me to start. Help me to take the next step you're calling me. Anyone in the room feel like they could take a next step in what God's calling them to do? Yeah. If that's you, if not, no problem. Raise your, raise your hands. And I'll just pray over you. Father, I pray over them right here. Every single person that you would free them from the lies of the enemy that say they can't make a difference and that your truth would ring loud, 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 loud in their ears that through you, Jesus, they can make a difference. That they would say over themselves, I can make a difference. Bless them, equip them, Father God. In Jesus' mighty name, we all pray, amen. God bless you.